Hello and welcome to Locked On St. Louis Cardinals, your regular insider podcast covering all things Cardinals baseball, frequently from Bush Stadium. Today from my home, my name is Jeff Jones. I'll be your host for today's show and we'll walk you through uh, a lot of what's been going on with the Cardinals here over the last week or so. I, I think that it's probably important for us to take a second to step back, sort of examine where the team is at presently, uh, take a look at the standings, take a look at the pitching, take a look at the offense, really sort of holistically examine what the St. Louis Cardinals look like as we sit here on Monday. June 11th before they began a three-game set with the San Diego Padres, followed by another three-game set, a vital three-game set against the Chicago Cubs. The Cardinals over the weekend taking two of three from the Reds in Cincinnati. Uh, that game notable, perhaps because they uh, they lost their first game of the season to the Reds. Now nine and one against the Reds on the season that broke a 13-game winning streak against the Reds. And you know it's 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 probably worth noting that uh, the Cardinals at nine and one against the Reds. That eight games over 500 constitutes their entire margin over 500 for the duration of the season. The Cardinals now 35 and 28. That makes them 500 against the rest of the league and eight games over 500 against the Reds. That's uh, that's that that sounds a little scary, but frankly, I don't know that it's all that problematic a situation. You know, when when, when you look at the way that a baseball schedule breaks down over the duration of a season, I think it's fair to say that if a team can beat up on the bad team, tread water against the good teams, then they're likely to have a perfectly successful year. Because when you look at the teams that are bad to quite bad, the Cardinals get to deal with this season. We're talking about the Mets, and we're talking about uh, the Marlins, and the Padres, who are in town this week. So nothing of the interleague schedule, which includes the White Sox twice, and the Twins twice, and the Royals twice. These are not good baseball teams, and so the Cardinals have uh, a real opportunity to rack up some wins against the dregs of the league, and then and that way, as long as they do manage to tread water against the better teams in the league, then they should be in, in decent enough shape uh, to compete for a playoff spot. Now, when the Cardinals last week went into this stretch where they had three against the Marlins, three against the Reds, three against the Padres, uh, I said in a couple of places, including here, that a good outcome for the Cardinals, or, or rather the expected outcome, should be to win six of those nine games. That would be a that would be a nice stretch of baseball for the Cardinals to win six of those nine. Lo and behold, the Cardinals now come into this series against the Padres with a three and three record. They dropped two of three to the Marlins, took two of three from the Reds, and so now uh, they find themselves in the unenviable position of arguably needing to sweep the Padres to, uh, to to keep up with the pace that should be expected of them here uh, here early in the season. And, you know, it's it's hard to tell a team that the expectation is that they don't lose any games. And it's hard to tell a team that they're expected to sweep. But frankly, uh, the Cardinals need to do all that they can to put themselves into a position to start really climbing up, uh, climbing up the standings and differentiating themselves from their competitors in the division. The Padres, for... Or, the Pirates, excuse me, are four games back of the Cardinals. Uh, that's good. The Cardinals, however, are, uh, are are full two and a half games back of the Cubs, and they are a game behind in the wild card standings. Now, the, the Cardinals need to start 
pushing closer to the Cubs, need to start challenging them, uh, and, and, and need to be in a position to catch up with the Brewers should they eventually fall through. The Cardinals are only three games back in the division, two behind the Brewers in the loss column, and so maybe putting themselves into a position where uh, eventually the Brewers are not probably going to hold up. In fact, the Cardinals go to Milwaukee for a four-game set here at the end of the month. That'll already be their third trip to Milwaukee this season. Uh, but that four-game set could be, again, vitally important when you look at the way this division race is setting up. Uh, ultimately, I think that coming out of the All-Star break when the Cardinals play those, those five games in four days at Wrigley Field, that's going to be a really telling stretch of the season, and those are going to be some vitally important games, but uh, the Cardinals can't afford to allow themselves to slip behind, because once all of a sudden you're chasing teams and you're four, five, and six games back instead of two and three games back, uh, the mountain starts to look a lot taller, and the, the mental task starts to be a lot more daunting, and so uh, it, 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 to me, looks to be extremely important that the Cardinals do all that they can to make sure that they, uh, they, they're, they're at least competing, but they should be challenging to sweep this series against the Padres. Again, that's, that is a big ask, but I think that when you, when you look at the way this, this sets up, if you're going to believe that the Cardinals are a real contender this season, if they're going to be a team that's going to challenge for a playoff spot, then they have to be able to take care of business against these sort of bottom of the standings teams. And, and the Padres, while they are only 31 and 36, they may not look as bad as it sounds. Uh, Padres are not a good baseball team. They're not a team that's expecting to compete this season, and they're not a team who really should scare anyone, especially when you get to play them at home. The Cardinals are 19 and 14 at home compared to 16 and 14 on the road. So not a big spread there, but the Cardinals have, I think, consistently been uh, strong-ish at home. Most of the time when you're watching the Cardinals at home, you, you, you find yourselves watching at least competitive baseball, and there's a thought that the team should at least be able to be in all of these games. You know, it, it sounds ridiculous to say that the team should be able to be in games at home at a major league level, but the fact of the matter is there have been games in the past few years where when the Cardinals' offense is totally shut down or when a pitcher is totally blowing up where it can be hard to imagine the team really catching up or, or, or the team recovering from a faulty start early. And so, uh, again, it's vitally important for this Cardinals team to put themselves in a position where they really are competitive in these home games. And that starts, I think, with a sweep of the Padres. You can't you can't expect a sweep uh, realistically. But, but frankly, the, the Cardinals need to be pushing and doing all they can to sweep this series. Because the other thing that's important here is that a sweep this week of the Padres would put the Cardinals uh, at 38 and 28. That allows them to that, 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 that would put them at 10 games above 500, and that's a that's a pretty major milestone. I know we've talked in the podcast earlier uh, earlier this year about the way that Tony Larusa would sort of divide up seasons into those milestones. Getting to 10 games over can be a big confidence boost to a team, and taking 10 games over into a big weekend series, a holiday weekend series against the Cubs, might go a long way towards these Cardinals establishing themselves as a legitimate threat to the Cubs and Brewers at the top of the division. Coming out of the series in Cincinnati, I think that the be the, the biggest concern for the Cardinals probably has to be the performance of Carlos Martinez since returning from the disabled list. In two starts since coming back to the Cardinals on June 5th, he has combined for seven and two-thirds innings pitched. He's allowed seven runs, all of them earned, and walked 12 with eight hits scattered across those seven and two-thirds. The ERA for Martinez when he went on the DL 
was 1.62. It's it's ballooned up to 2.50 here over the last two starts. Uh, perhaps most telling, Carlos Martinez yesterday faced 23 batters in three and two-thirds against the Reds. He faced a total of 27 batters in seven and a third against the Chicago White Sox on the 2nd of May. So uh, Martinez clearly struggling with command, struggling with control, and, and, and hasn't been able to find the zone reliably at all since coming back from the DL. If you're if you're the Cardinals and you're trying to diagnose this problem, uh, I think the first concern has to be physical. Both Martinez and Mike Matheny indicated that he did not need a further rehab start, had one rehab start uh, on his path back from a lat strain, and, and, and said that he was fully ready to go. However, Martinez, after that start on June 5th, was fairly candid with reporters in in, in discussing his concern about really dialing back uh, and by dialing up, I should say, and finding his velocity and really reaching back and and finding a pitch uh, that could put guys away. And if he is going to be hesitant about his stuff, then there needs to be a conversation about whether he actually has a physical encumbrance or if he needs to stop with the hesitancy. And I you know I don't I don't know what the outcome of that conversation is. Obviously, without feeling what Carlos Martinez is feeling in his arm, I have no way of knowing whether or not he's as healthy as he should be. But I, I, I think that it's reasonable for the Cardinals to be concerned at this point because when you look at the problems with the command, the fastball command especially yesterday is what Martinez and Matheny were talking about in the postgame, oftentimes the fastball command starts to go when a guy dials back the velocity, when he feels like he doesn't maybe have full control over all of his pitches or if he's hesitant uh, in, in, in some fashion and he ends up guiding the ball rather than really rearing back and, and letting the ball go. And so if Carlos Martinez is currently in that kind of a, a mental place where he doesn't feel comfortable for whatever reason reaching back to find uh, the totality of what his fastball can deliver, then I think it's fair uh, to, to be concerned about what you're seeing out of Martinez here over the last two starts. And it's fair to wonder if there is still a, a physical issue with, with Carlos Martinez. His performance this season has has been uh, mostly strong until these last two starts, but you know the command has been consistently an issue for Martinez. He hit a batter in each of his first six starts of the season, including three uh, in his start against the Mets on April 26th. He has walked at least five batters on three occasions this season in his 10 starts, walked four uh, in another game, and walked three in two more games after that. In fact, uh, only once this season has Martinez delivered fewer than two walks. That was the win against the Mets on the 26th of April. And and then that was the game, in fact, where he, where he hit three batters. And so uh, Carlos Martinez has consistently been offering free bases to opposing players. And that's, that's not a rest for success, especially when you consider the struggles that the Cardinals defense and the Cardinals offense as well has had so far this season. Yesterday, for example, Martinez not being able to get out of the fourth inning, uh, part of part of what happened there was was extra guys on base extra guys on base who were all of a sudden coming around to score uh, because the Cardinals put themselves in a position where Martinez was putting free runners on. And, and and those extra runs are really going to add up when you're dealing with the offensive struggles that the Cardinals have been dealing with so far this season. And so uh, I think keeping an eye on the arm health of Carlos Martinez and the way that he's able to find or not find his command is a really important step for the Cardinals to take moving forward. The other, I think, disquieting uh, trend from the weekend 
has to be the struggles of Bud Norris. Now, Norris has been, to this point in the season, has has been arguably the Cardinals' biggest weapon out of the bullpen. Uh, Jordan Hicks, I guess, would probably would probably stake some claim there. But Norris has been consistently the guy who was able to settle down the bullpen when Greg Holland wasn't able to deliver what the Cardinals thought they were getting for him in free agency and does have 12 saves to put himself clearly in position as the Cardinals' closer. But with Norris, I think that there's a real concern uh, about the way overuse might affect his might, 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 might affect his pitch efficiency and might affect his ability to be used effectively by the Cardinals. Because uh, Norris, before last season, was a starter in Major League Baseball. And so this, this fast recovery stuff and being used out of the bullpen multiple days in a row and multiple times in a week is, I think, still an adjustment for Bud Norris. And when you look at his last season, seven outings he has a total of six innings pitch in those seven outings and has allowed uh and and and, and has allowed seven earned runs excuse me six earned runs i apologize uh across those seven or across those six innings in those seven outings and in those in that stretch uh includes also his his first two blown saves of the season. Now, the Cardinals managed to come back and win both of those games, the game on the second against the against the Pirates, and then the game here over the weekend, the, via the Friday game against the Reds. So you at least did see the Cardinals recover uh, and, and get the win in those games. But it, it's fair, I think, to be concerned about where Bud Norris is right now. Because, you know, frankly, look, as good as Norris has been, uh, at some point, I think the expectation for the Cardinals was that he was going to turn back into Bud Norris, right? Like, he's never been a dominant pitcher who has stifled the league for forever, and so maybe going to the bullpen, he finds a couple more miles per hour on the fastball, and maybe he's able to deliver a sharper breaking ball because he's not having to hold any pitches back early in the game, and he can consistently deliver his best stuff. And Norris has been a weapon, to be sure. But at this point, the Cardinals, I think, have to be looking at the trend over the last two weeks with Bud Norris, and they have to start asking themselves whether or not he's going to be able to hold up over the long haul. There was a well-publicized conversation early in the season between him and Mike Matheny about his usage and about his rest uh, and about whether or not he was comfortable going in these multiple inning spots and going multiple days in a row. And the Cardinals are going to have to manage those, in the, those innings. And you saw over the weekend... One consequence of that management was Jordan Hicks pitching three days in a row. That, I don't think, is a situation that the Cardinals ever want to put themselves into if they can at all avoid it. And so if you're cautious about Hicks and you're concerned about Norris, then it's vitally important either that a guy like Greg Holland uh, comes back from his rehab stint in Memphis actually having fixed whatever was ailing him, or that the Cardinals, believe it or not, need to go out and look for an additional bullpen piece that can really have the kind of stability that's necessary for the back end of these games. When we're examining the Cardinals' offense, I, I, for me at least, the conversation sort of begins with Tommy Pham. I, I, I know that that might seem unusual when you consider the struggles that we've seen out of Dexter Fowler for the duration of the season from Colton Wong uh, and from Matt Carpenter until and then possibly including some recently. But 
those are all situations that have sort of, and, and that's and again also Marcelo Zuna, I guess, goes in that pile as well. But those are all situations that have kind of well established themselves, uh, and that I think the Cardinals are, are looking for solutions for. Right, Wong is playing less frequently. You're seeing more of Jet Jerko. Uh, you're seeing pretty much a straight platoon in right field with Fowler and Harrison Bader, and Bader probably going to encroach in, in even some more of those starts. And you know, despite some blips, I think you are seeing Matt Carpenter come around to look more. More like the Matt Carpenter that we've seen uh, in in years past. With Tommy Pham, however, uh, the drop-off has been, I think, relatively quiet and somewhat unnoticed, but it's been fairly substantial. Pham now with a 796 OPS on the season, and, you know, when you look at it next to Matt Carpenter, for example, whose OPS now stands at 771, all of a sudden uh, it, it looks a little more concerning in context, and especially, I think, when you look at the splits for Tommy Pham, so far this season, it's okay to be alarmed. Pham does not have an extra base hit in June. He's 10 for 35, all of those all, all of those hits being singles, this after hitting only 195 in May. Uh, the OPS for Pham now down in June to 591 after hitting 964 uh, in April and March. And so you can sort of see the way this drop-off has has happened for Tommy Pham throughout the course of the season. And when you're talking about Pham, I, I think that the first place that people jump to is his vision. And is he seeing the ball okay? And is he physically encumbered? And I think as far as anyone is aware, uh, there are no physical struggles happening with Tommy Pham. As, as far as anyone can tell, Pham appears to be healthy and has repeated that he's healthy uh, to the media on several occasions so far this season. And so until Pham speaks up about an issue, then I think you have to take him at his word. Uh, one thing that's notable, I think, is that Tommy Pham against left-handers is still putting up a 970 OPS this season, whereas he only has a 760 OPS against right-handers. So uh, maybe it's less... Oh, a physical concern for Fam, and more uh, the fact that righties are starting to figure him out a little bit after this extended look at him uh, over last season and into this season, and this extended pressure put on him to be a high-producing part of the Cardinals lineup. It's possible that rather than Fam sort of dropping off or, or or having an issue that would explain his struggles, it's possible that the league is adjusting to Fam and that he's having to figure out a way to adjust himself back. Uh, and, and it's, you know... It's it's a struggle for this Cardinals team right now to put together consistent offense. When and, you know, as I mentioned, with all of the guys that you're talking about, have had their concerns. As we uh, we're rapidly approaching Flag Day, which has long been considered the half serious but mostly accurate measure of uh, when it's okay to start worrying about a baseball team for these Cardinals. And Colton Wong is hitting 185 with a sub 600 OPS. Dexter Fowler is hitting 177 with a 574 OPS. OPS. These are real concerns, and these are players who aren't going to be allowed, I think, uh, much longer to sustain these kinds of poor numbers. And even the guys that you, you, know, you look at uh, for being a sort of jolt to the lineup, guys that you expect to contribute big numbers off the bench, Shed Jerko, for example, only hitting 261 and only slugging 403 so far this season. Jerko has nine extra base hits. And so you're going to need uh, a little more out of all of these guys. Everyone's going to have to sort of contribute more because there's not really, I think, an obvious offensive solution for these Cardinals coming down the pike. 
And I know that Manny Machado is going to be the name that's going to get thrown around, but I really think that Cardinals fans need to disabuse themselves of the notion that Manny Machado will be a St. Louis Cardinal. It's just not the kind of move the Cardinals have made over the course of John Mosellock's tenure. The only real big deadline rental piece that the Cardinals have made a move for without knowing that they were going to be able to re-sign him uh, at, at, at the end of the year was Matt Holiday, And so we're talking about 10 years ago uh, with a player who sort of fit in maybe a little better to the organization and a player where the Cardinals had had such a long pursuit that they maybe had a better idea of what Holiday might be able to to uh, my, my, my people to accept in terms of a contract offer. And by the way, Matt Holiday did get to free agency. Now, he did end up re-signing with the Cardinals, but it's not as though the Cardinals traded for Matt Holiday in July and had him signed to an extension in August. Holiday uh, got all the way to the free agent market, and the Cardinals had to overwhelm him with the offer that they gave him in order to make sure that he came back and that the Cardinals got what they thought was a, a decent return on that trade. And so now... The Cardinals find themselves in a position where I don't know that they're going to be very active in the pure rental market, so it's a matter of can they generate more offense from the options they have internally. You have to think at some point Wong and Fowler turn it around, but they certainly haven't thus far. And if not, what are the what are the options? And is it is is Josh Donaldson the guy who really upgrades this Cardinals team and, and, and makes them into a sort of fearsome offensive threat? that they need to be. I'm I'm skeptical of that, especially given his health situation and the way he's performed so far this season. And so it's not an easy puzzle. Uh, this team is going to lean on their pitching, and they're going to ride that as a solution, I think, in many instances. But keeping an eye on the trends for some of these hitters, keeping an eye on the trends for Tommy Pham, keeping an eye on the trends for Yadier Molina, who has not hit well since coming back from the DL. These are all concerns that the Cardinals are going to have to find answers to. Uh, and if I if I had the obvious answer, I would take them into the front office today and, and, and pitch them myself for a job. But since I don't, I think that all we can do is sort of monitor them uh, and consider Consider what these Cardinals will look like moving forward. That's going to wrap up today's episode of Locked On St. Louis Cardinals. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Spotify. Uh, LockedOnSTLCardinals.com is the website. I'll have columns there all week long. I'll have more podcasts there all week, and we'll, uh, we'll have coverage for you from the ballpark of, of, of the Padres here for these first three games, and then a big, big three-game set against the Chicago Cubs here over Father's Day weekend. So make sure you stick around for that, and lots more coming up soon here on Locked On St. Louis Cardinals.